Hello guys and welcome to your Una series podcast. I am really excited today because I have the pleasure of having a friend on the show. She's called Valérie Gabay. She is a voice accent communication skills coach. She is. She was I'm always is a singer. And we would like to ask Valérie so many questions about what we love to try and explore in the UNA community, which is the connection between different systems. And the voice is so singular to our species, the sapiens. We are the only animals on this planet who have an elaborated logos, which means that we can speak to each other. And as we mentioned quite a lot of times, it is the real place for the thriving of our species, is our communication skills, the fact we can learn from one another. And as we say a lot, it's because we are kind, that we are strong rather than because we are strong, that we kind of have the species overpowering the world. That was a long introduction. Valérie, thank you so much for joining us uh, on this podcast. It's really, I'm really excited. I'm so excited because I love anatomy, I love the mind, I love how it kind of goes together and the voice is just all of that. But first and foremost, would you mind telling us a bit on how, well, how do you become a singer? How do you know that you are a singer and that you kind of want to be singing? And then what happened into your professional career that brought you to do what you do today? Um... Uh, how do you know that you're a singer? I think it's just trying and testing the voice and having the opportunity mainly to test your voice. And I was lucky enough to have a father who loved music and introduced me to many, many styles of music and asked me to recognize. And I think I had a capacity just to mimic things. And I just mimicked everything, basically. So he was really like oh my God, I have a little child who likes these kind of things, so let's nurture that, you know. So that started like that, really by playing, spending time with my dad, listening to all styles of music and mimicking. And then you discover that you like it. Right, exactly. Does it start from listening then? Would, you, would we say that the whole idea of even expressing ourselves starts with listening, which I think makes sense because when we're first born, we can do noises, of course, but most of it, you know, most of our experience of the world is from outside in, right? So we take things in. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, I think it's being exposed to a lot of sounds which creates the need for the child to uh, diversify, you know, his language. The more exposed you are to sounds, the more you want to express. And if you have the ability in your family, if you are uh, nurtured into this direction, you want to, to speak up, you want to express. I was a very social child. I wanted to talk to everyone. I had a lot of people around me. So I suppose that, you know, this exposition to sound stimulation is very, very encouraging. And parents who are laughing when you say something, rather than telling you you speak too loud, stop, you know. This, this is so important because, yeah, all the children have that uh, at the core of their communication. They want, they want that. I, I, yeah, I mean, you know, we're both parents and we're both trying to do that, I guess, with our kids as much as we can, because we know that that's where they're going to find the best foundation to be who they are. Yeah, I hope so. We'll see if we get, we'll see in a few years if we managed or not. Um, now, let's go back into or go into the real core of this topic today, that is the voice. Um, 
I would like to bounce back with you about the anatomy and why are we the only mammals that can speak. Tell me about what has, what has happened to us that allows us to be voiceful. What we are, yes, these incredible communicative uh, creatures. Uh, if we think about prehistorical times, around like 100,000 years ago, around that's what, you know, uh, historian historians say um, the larynx when the, the the divide between you know the divide was much much earlier but the larynx um, of the human branch of the species you know between apes and uh, human beings it started to drop down in the neck the tongue started to push down the larynx so we have very long necks and tongues our tongue is huge and it's really uh, very low, placed very low, attached to the hyoid bone, which is here. So it gives a huge, in a way, a huge uh, cavity for speaking. And the pharynx then is also very long and extremely flexible. The lips are very responsive. The tongue is super, super flexible and full of nerves, much more than a chimpanzee or something. We can form consonants that chimpanzees, for example, can't do. The larynx is much higher. The mouth is much bigger. We have small mouth and a big, big larynx and a big space between the vocal folds, which are here basically in the, in the voice box, and the mouth. So we can shape the sounds in an incredible way. So there's a real anatomical, yeah, it's, first of all, in a way, are we, it's difficult to know when you speak about evolution, what triggers what, but it seems that first and foremost, we can speak because of the shape that the evolution has given us the capacity to play with sound. So how does really sound, how does it work voice? Where does it come from? It feels because obviously now I'm talking and I'm, I'm breathing. So I'm definitely using air so it must be linked to breathing which we all know we're going to go into this and you know breathing of course and singing but what happens in terms of you know what happens to this air that is coming from our lungs as it passes through these structures absolutely so first you have to in of course inhale something if you want to exhale you have to inhale that's the first thing so you have to let your diaphragm which is a dome-shaped muscle attached to the ribs really the ribs back and and in front really everywhere dome shaped and it separates basically the two sides of your torso i mean the two you know the two thorax parts. and abdomen exactly the rib cage and the, the abdomen and you have to let it descend so the inspiration is really like it descends why because you need space for your lungs to fill in and they fill in from below so you need that pressure you create a lack of pressure so there's something pumping for you the diaphragm then of course the um uh, enteric you know parts of they have to descend as well of course so you have to relax the belly and then on the exhale you have all the girdle of muscles you know the abdominal muscles which will push the air back up the diaphragm will ascend yeah come back up and press of course the the lungs and press the air at high pressure under your vocal folds they need high pressure to function if there is no high pressure you hear there's nothing if i'm slouching and you know there's nothing they don't function properly but if i have a good beautiful out breath with regulated airflow 
they function. It's their food in a way. And then this little vibration, amazing, with these tiny little vocal folds, which are one centimeter, one and a half centimeter, you know, they're very tiny, they vibrate. And if we would have just the vocal, the vocal folds, it would be like a tiny vibration. We would hear just like a mosquito. But we have this fantastic pharynx above the larynx, this, you know, shape. A cavity, a cavity weirdly shaped cavity. shapes everything. And then the tongue shapes, of course, the articulation. So it filters the sound and shapes it and makes it resonant. resonant. And then the lips are, of course, articulating. That's basically how the So we imagine now we've got the breathing, the diaphragm goes down and up. We have the air being pushed at pressure, making... Are there muscles as vocal cords? Is it a, is, it's a muscle, right? We, we, we can contract and a membrane that we can contract and relax. It's a valve, literally a valve. First and yeah, foremost, it's a valve. And it goes through that and then it's kind of being shaped within the pharynx cavity and then even like finely tune teeth, lip, tongue, everything. Absolutely, tongue, jaw and yeah, the articulators. Do you think, this is a question about, I guess, evolution, do you think that the, the way the sapiens that we are today became this really strong species through this communication skills clearly came through also that development of the voice because that changed everything. Suddenly, there was plenty of communication before, don't get me wrong, people could point out, there was facial expression, nonverbal communication, vocal, there was a lot. And like, voice, definitely voice and, you know, vowels and grunts and all sorts of things. But, but the defining of, of expressing my thoughts, right? This must have been, I mean, and is still to today, something extraordinary in the way I can try and share how I feel, right? So I think I'm, I'm very fascinated by the idea that we know one of the things we discussed here is that the bipedia, right, coming straight, because again, we're the only mammals standing on two feet, did something quite interesting with our head and our spine. It just created a 90 degrees angle, which means that now those two little vocal cord have this air coming through at 90 degrees, meaning that's also different from all the, the quadrupeds, which have a, a much more kind of angled. Absolutely. And they are led by the head. Basically. So that's an, that's it's a funny combination of kind of articulations. Now, I want to ask you something that I'm obviously people like me who can't sing at all, or I think no, it's true, who not necessarily like their voices as well. Um, wonder can anyone sing? Meaning, do, do we all have a beautiful voice? And in in this sense, I mean we're given the voice at birth, right? Every human, unless they had a big issue, will be able to speak. So they have a voice. And if you think about it like a, a tool, if I give a racket to someone, they can learn how to play tennis, right? So if we're all given the tool voice, can we all become great tennis player, great singers? Is it something that we all have? Hmm. I absolutely know and think that we all have it from the beginning. We all have absolute pitch, for example. You know, the famous absolute pitch, which is like, oh my God, just the top musicians have it. No, they cultivate it. That's all. They, and they keep it. That's the thing. But we have it. So can you imagine the possibilities we have when we have uh, absolute pitch? Then if you're not exposed to many sounds, if you're not exposed to music, if you're not exposed to singing, 
then of course these things reduce. You select or you deselect what you don't need. But if you have it at hand, you have the possibility. And in terms of physiology, unless there is a problem, of course, physiological problem, a block or something, you have it. The problem is then, is it nurtured or not? First of all, I said my, my brother is also very good with voice. That's not a random. He's, he's heard a lot of music. He just didn't become a singer because he has other interests in life. But he had the capacity, you know, to develop. Do you think, um, because what's interesting here as well is that we can think, you can work at it, right? And, and so can anyone become a singer by this? I mean, do you have to start at 10, 12, 15? Or could, you know, I'm 42 today. Could I decide to be, to free my voice and become a better singer? And I could work with you, of course, or anyone else. And just suddenly, let's say, in, you could tell me, well, Bonifaz, from where we're starting in three months or six months, or whatever, two years, you'll be able to sing just, for example. Yes, of course. That's what we do with actors. They come to drama school and they learn how to sing. They learn how to play a little bit of guitar. You know, they learn the basic things and they, can, they end up being able to sing unless there is a strong, you know, problem with the voice. They know how to do that. Some are very gifted already or have been nurtured because I don't believe so much in the gift. Uh, the gift is given to everybody. You know, this is my question because I we have this discussion a lot about talent. I'm always I'm fascinated by talent in a way that we all are, right? This is why we still watch sports on TV, what we watch actors. Some humans seems to be conveying something that is quite appealing and it touches us somewhere. Which which brings me to the next question that I was wanting to share with you, which is what is a beautiful voice? You know, where does a beautiful voice touches us and we always have you know we know when someone starts singing we have a little shiver everyone's felt that you know there's it is a real neurological reaction like ooh, it's just it's 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 pleasure it's oh you're like you know it's incredible and i, I wonder where is that because that's a tricky question right I'm, I'm asking you now how do we define beauty how do we define but there is but there is something about it right that some voices do resonate yeah, I, I don't know if we can just think in terms of beauty or in terms of pure emotion, because beauty is so much about aesthetics and canons of aesthetic. You know, it's a little bit like biased from the from the start. Uh, Pansori, for example, in Korea, the voice is supposed to, you know, is considered as very beautiful when it's totally broken. Yeah. It's... Uh, uh, and for us, it might be very, oh my God, for a Korean person who knows very well Pansori, it's the most beautiful thing to hear. That's fair, yeah. So, you know, and then you have opera and it's very formatted. Um, so hang on, this is interesting because that... So it, it's just difficult to, to, to know what so, is beautiful, first of all. But what touches us, that's a different thing. Right. And it can touch us from very different cultures and very different, you know, very different backgrounds and stuff. So uh, I would talk rather about the emotion you may be able to put in the voice, you know, what do you channel when you sing of yourself? What do you give? Because I think this is what defines a very, very, very good, a good singer and a top singer, for example, anywhere, it's the emotion that you will channel, the little broken parts of yourself, the little maybe imperfections, but mainly to be plugged in your emotional center, which will add to the voice. A beautiful voice in itself is nothing. It can be lovely, but when you hear a fantastic singer, 
you notice that there is an extra dose of emotion which brings the stuff which makes him stand or her stand out so do we get two questions here then do we always carry emotions through our voice no unfortunately not <laughs> i agree <laughs> and the second question i have is do we always have because we we chatted about this and another time which was is our voice set or is it going to be totally conditioned by our social cultural backgrounds and education and conditioning and coping mechanisms and yeah socializing and because you think we, we think you know what we talked about that you, you could be born somewhere and then taken and live into another country in another culture and your voice would be totally of, of that culture right absolutely you notice that when you have children for example who speak several languages they have several voices that's quite fascinating uh, i know that you have a child who is uh, multilingual i have a child who is multilingual so i know that my son for example has three voices finnish voices through his dad who speaks like that you know and then the english voice oh yeah well you know it's a totally different way of shaping his instrument and then the french voice il parle comme ça et voilà and again another voice so it's another personality at the same time do you find he's very different yeah yeah he, he does, does so he he acts and guess behaves differently depending on which voice or which languages rather he, he chooses to speak and that's that's really fascinating. so does it mean that you can you can choose and you can tap on into which son you want i'm going to speak to you in english because i want that personality for that moment i'm going to speak to you in french i don't know how much how much finnish you speak but the core of the personality remains but he has diff he has a choice in communication skills which is quite amazing and that and the voice is really different so that's cool Tell me about your, your work today, Valérie. So people come to you, you, we talked about communication skills, we talk about voice, we talked, you mentioned actors, of course. So that, you, we can understand actors, obviously, because or, you know, that's what they do. They need their voice to be able to, even, to, to do their job. But for the common you know, people who, if you think of it, also use their voices all the time for their family, for, for their work. You know, we, we, we don't think of it, but that's all we do. We speak constantly. So do they come? What, what do you see as a practitioner? The diagnosis is what is like, OK, you haven't been nurtured, like you mentioned that you were lucky to be or something happened. And because of what happened to you, let's call it a trauma to make it simple, you're holding on or you're not linking your voice and your emotion, or there's a real neurological unconnection that makes it a bit tricky for you to express the voice that you have. Or maybe do you have people that you can see, imagine at my age or 50, who their whole life never had their voice, that they never found it, so they've always been this different person. Absolutely. That's, I see a lot of... Um um people who i i feel that they are totally conditioned by the society they live in and the way mm. they relate on a daily basis so they're very guarded very often most of the people i see are just not committed to the speech not committed to the language not committed to the world through their breath and their voice and that's what i just noticed it's just that when you ask them to give a little bit of the of themselves through the language nothing comes out first and mm. of course it's the big 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 work we have to do to 
externalize the, 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 the expression, just simply, you know, to make it, yeah, be born into the world, literally, through the breath. If you hold your breath, you can't be committed to others. You're holding back emotions, expression, everything, you know. So how do they know that? Unless someone is being told to come and see you because it's relating to their work, they become a speaker or they become an actor or they become, you know, or a professional singer, which, you know, because I, I can think of me first, but I can think of many people who would, actually, I'm going to turn this around. I can't think of anyone who wouldn't benefit from having a session or two to try and figure out, so hang on, what is my voice? How did I build this? Do I... You know, and, and, and I think, what does it mean of me to others, the way I speak? And actually, now we're going to come into the, you know, basically the communication posture, because it's all linked, as we know. If you want to breathe properly, you have to stand up. So if you want to speak properly, you have to have posture, you have to position, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, so how how do they come to you? How do you know your, your, your clients, I guess? Usually they don't know that. They come to me because they want to speak better because they understand that they are not very good presenters very often. Or they come for a problem of accent. They are not understandable to others. You know, very often non-native speakers in English who come to me because they just want to gain clarity of speech. They, you know, they face misunderstanding and they are not taken seriously because of that, you know. So they want to be taken more seriously very often and be good presenters, confident presenters, so this is how we start from, you know, and then we notice on the way a lot of things, a lot of things when we start to address the different components of the speech, the accent, everything. We notice that there are a lot of tension in the body, in the tongue, a lot of things which are repressed, a lot of the breath is very often underused, very simply. So all of these, of course, affect also the confidence, you know, you have in yourself. If you breathe well, you express well. And then you're more present to the world. Yeah, you let go and you let... How you fast go. does it change? You know, how, is it quick? Do you find sometimes like a literally... Or is it a really long process of unwinding and taking one layer at a time? It depends completely on the capacity of the person to change and shift quickly. If they work, you know, on a daily basis, if they do really commit to the work, because it's really physical work as well, you know. It's not only... I don't take it psychologically. I take, I take it physically, knowing that the physical aspect of ourselves, alignment, breath, will affect in turn the mental states anyway. So I'd rather address, you know, I'm not a psychologist. It, take, it takes time with people who are a bit more blocked and it takes less time with people who are very quick to shift and, ah, oh, great realization, I'm going to try, I'm going to fail, I'm going to retry. The people who are afraid to fail, of course, take more time. And it depends on... The gift, in that case, there is a gift, not a birth gift, but um, how exposed you were, again, to different things and choices of communication from the very, very early age. The more you have that at hand from the very early age, the more flexible you are to change. Do That's you think that people that have been through that process or yeah. people that been through without having had help with people like you just because they were yeah. exposed and nurtured? Yeah. Do you think, like, to make it simple, that singers are more, it's easier for them to express their feelings? Do you think that singers are less repressed? I would say they are. Yes, I would say they are. Yes. You know, I mean, of course, also the circumstances of being a singer, you see a lot of people, 
you express your emotions all the time, you know. I mean, you can't really sing without expressing. I think this is why you sing in the first place. It's to express something. You never sing for singing or just for the voice. You always have some kind of little broken part somewhere that you want to put inside in, into the world and, and express about, I suppose. It's the second time you use that little little broken part. What do you, what, I like it. I like the expression. And I can, obviously, I, I think I know where you're going with this. But what? tell me more about what you think. What are these little broken parts? Narcissistic little fail, you know, failure somehow, something that you want to compensate from something that you didn't have in your childhood or little traumas or something. Of course, everyone has anyway a little load of trauma, definitely, we all have. We are not necessarily prone to channel it through art. It can be drawing, by the way. We think about voice today, but it can be in any kind of art form. This is a fantastic way to channel emotions. And I just suppose that people who become artists might be a little cliche, but they have something extra. They have a medium to express something. Yeah, exactly. And the broken parts that we all have, they know how to channel channel it to through an artistic form and can be voiced. So I definitely think that, yeah, of course, a singer is maybe more prone to express, of course, because the language, the breath is always out, you know, it's fantastic. When, you talk, when we talk, coming back to a bit more technical stuff here, I, I feel that, let's say opera, because you know opera very well, you're a singer, but also your husband is an opera singer. Um, you're not, you know, as you become a singer, we will define what type, right? You're a baritone or you're an alto. So there is... A soprano, mezzo, yeah. So sure. that's what, this is your anatomy? This is the anatomy. But what defines yes, that? Yes, that, these are the limitations okay. of your body. And generally there are more sopranos and more baritones. So that's the, you know, the mass. And then the rarer voices are tenors, mezzo-sopranos, alto-soprano, you know, alto-singers. Uh, but yeah, the biggest amount uh, of you know the yeah population, population is yeah. definitely the sopranos, the most common for for female voices, and the baritones for male voices. Yeah, so there is fierce competition. And that's so <laughs> meaning <laughs> exactly. But you can't you can't switch right. If you're if you're a baritone, you, you can't can. become an alto. You can. Uh, there are examples of people who start as baritones and shift to tenors, for example. Yes, there are examples like that, or sometimes the opposite. But you have to have already a very long range, definitely. You can't build, you know, a top range like that. You have to have it somewhere. And then someone clever, a good teacher, might point out, ah, there are colors in your voice which tell me that you have this range and you you are very easy on the high range. So we might stretch it and see where it goes. And then with a lot of work, you can shift. Jonas Kaufmann, who is the best tenor at the moment, was a baritone and shifted to tenor. Yeah, very successfully. It's not always the case, quite rare. You can't really fight your own. You can, you can stretch your voice, yes, to a certain extent, definitely. Make it richer, make it longer, make it larger. But you don't, you can't, infinitely uh, you know break the boundaries and and uh, push your limitations so there's a limitation there's a physical limitation yeah. which exactly. is like a dancer you know you can set. do a certain amount of things but exactly. you will face yeah yeah your limit your own some limit. limits from yeah. your from your phenotype. now do you do you f feel every time you work with someone do they end up having a different voice after 
than before, which which would mean that pretty much no one who hasn't who is not a singer hasn't really practiced their voice. Someone like me who's never done it, I probably right now, I don't have my voice. You know, I, I have the voice that I've been using all my life, and this is my voice. This is fine, but I, it's not my. I would call it optimum or more liberating or... Yes, you could gain your full potential by working even more. Though your voice is, I think, really healthy, lovely voice. And I wouldn't say, you know, at first, like there is something to do. Unless you would say, I feel that there is something to do. I want more from my voice. Well, I'm, I'm, I guess, but my first, I don't have an issue fundamentally with my voice. So, but I'm curious and I do feel that I don't have that ability or capacity or access to um, express my feelings through my voice. What I can express through my voice is my thoughts. And I'm quite happy to articulate my cognitive abilities through that. And this is, um, it's a great use of the tool, but I definitely, I know I can't express anger or sadness or grief through my voice. And, and, I, and I would, you know, the more I think of it, I think every possible medium through which you could have an expression of those fundamental emotion is a great tool to have because it's good to be able to share and let them go. That's right. But at the same time, it's a real. I understand what you mean, but at the same time, it's a real need from the beginning. I can say that I always sang, you know, and that was my medium from the start. Maybe because just I was exposed to it, that's it. But you can't just hope to suddenly um, express your feelings through voice. You can enrich your voice, you can stretch it, you can make it, you know, more, uh, whatever, you know, you can work on it to make it more resonant and beautiful, I, though I don't like this idea of beautiful or not beautiful. Everyone has a beautiful voice. But I would say at least for singing, if you don't have this, this urge really to express through singing. You might work on your voice and that may be very nice, but if you don't have that. Do you still sing a lot? Yes, I do, of course. And I train my voice to keep the, you know, the flexibility because the larynx tends to, you know, it's cartilage. It's a muscle. So you, it would... Exactly. It's yeah. And, and you need to, you need to work on your body. You need to work on your on your system to, to make it, uh, yeah, still. Does it change with age? Because obviously, I, you know, we, we know, well, actually, let's talk about this funny uh, idea. I was saying just because we have, we both have boys are just going into this interesting phase of their life because they are between 12 and 13 years old. And there's lots of changes in the body, as we know, but one big one is the voice change. And I thought, as I was preparing for this, I was like, how funny, because we have, in a way, so many voices. We have the baby voice, then we have the three, five, seven-year-old, boyish, if we've talked about it. And then suddenly the boys go through this, you know, they become, it changes everything. How do you, so first of all, what happens physiologically during that transition? How does the voice change? What is it? So the larynx goes a little bit down for the boys, and the, that's it. And the vocal folds are just elongating, basically. So the longer they are, you can think about a violin and a cello. They go from violin to cello. The longer they are, the lower the voice, you know. It's a matter of vibration. They become thicker and longer. That's basically it, what happens, you know, if we don't want to get too much into details. 
Yeah, and the girls know they they have a minor change, but mostly not. So there's a big gap between the boys and the girls. Suddenly, they used to have the same voice for the whole childhood, and suddenly, boom, there's a big gap. What do you? Th I, I'm I'm always so curious about this because that we keep talking today about the connection between the voice, the sound of the voice, its resonance, meaning its depth, but also you know we still have a very old. What's the word here? You know, it, it seems that a deep, low voice belongs to, has a sound of, you know, you, you, you want to listen. You're a bit, not scared of it, but you would. Like you would be of a lion, you know, there's a voice that it, it, it calls you to fear or threat. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So it's interesting that the men are given that kind of change, meaning that in a way, physiologically, the way that, they express themselves is a bit more, you know, you want to be, ah, okay, what is he saying? You know, I find that curious, but it's true because as a, as a, as a, as a little boy or little girl, you do have that, right? When your dad says, oh, you kind of feel a bit, okay. It's also, I think, very induced by society, the public speaking, uh, the world of public speaking, the world of rhetoric belongs to men because it was created by men in the ancient world for right. men women were systematically excluded from that, you know? So it's True. also what kind of role models we have around us. If right. the men have the, the public sphere to themselves and speak all the time, we have this idea that gravitas comes from a male and low voice. And mm -hmm. that's a little bit unfair because it shouldn't be like that. So we are happily, you know, now fighting for more inclusivity and equality and stuff. And I think it's wonderful, but women tend to still struggle for making their, their voice heard because the, 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 it's a male code, coded society still. Totally. Totally. You know, in terms of what we like to hear, what we think we like to hear, what we, as you say, oh, a male voice is systematically, like, oh my God, there is authority, there is knowledge, there is competence you know, attached yeah. to it. And female, it's more airy, breathy. It's interesting that you say that because the, the vocal folds of women, of course, they are smaller, they're shorter. So, of course, the tone is high. It's basically higher. one octave higher than men, except, okay. of course, there are women with yeah, no course, voice. And, I mean, you know, we can talk about average, it, but mm -hmm. average. And they, they are more breathy as well. The vocal folds don't, for women, most of the women, the vocal folds don't naturally come together fully. So there's a bit of breathiness as well, which gives you know this kind of stuff. So you have to counteract that as a woman and really learn how to speak a bit more, you know, assertively, I would say. If you mm. want to be able to fight in, and, and stand out in this male-coded environment. I realize, we all realize the power of conditioning. And I think, as we mentioned a minute before, I, I, I like this idea a bit weird that, you know, you would take a baby, you shouldn't do that, but you put it anywhere on the planet and he would be not just culturally different, but even that would be defined differently. His voice would be different and therefore his expression, maybe his own kind of feeling about himself and perception. Yeah. I find it's quite, quite fascinating. Do you... Um, so when you work with people, do you, now how long does it take? I just want to have a little, you know, someone comes in and I mean, are we talking 10 years? Or are we talking? You, you, you have a program and you say, okay, let's do that in two months. Well, let's distinguish two things. Let's make a, a divide between singing and speaking. Speaking is easier. Let's, let's face it. 
unless you really have really problems to express yourself or something, it takes maybe five, 10 sessions. Some, some people buy, you know, for me, like 30 hours because they really want to make in-depth work on their voice, on their communication skills, on their accent. They take the whole package. But otherwise, in 10 sessions, if you work really properly, you can really notice a big change. But of course, you have to take everything in, you know, into account, the, the confidence, you know, the voice, everything goes together. It's a system, interconnected. If you talk about singing, and for example, I would start with you, you have, you have never sung really, not really, we would start now, you would need years. Because, you know, I mean, it's so refined, so sophisticated, the, 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 the control of the airflow, the control of the pitch, the control of the, the, the richness of the voice, everything, the shaping and stuff, that takes time. It's more like learning an instrument, you know? So. You, you say all that, but I think I can see something interesting. For example, my wife is American, obviously English speaking, and languages for her is not something easy. And I think it's mostly she can't hear it very well. She, she definitely doesn't hear. And it's incredible in French because she speaks with quite a good accent. So most people, when she starts speaking, are like, okay, she's, she must be fluent. And then they speak back to her and she doesn't understand anything. She just doesn't hear it. And so it's a, it's an interesting thing. I find most of it's difficult to be able to even play a good instrument or I guess sing, which is in a way playing an instrument, an instrument being your voice, if you can't hear properly. Yeah. So, and if you can't hear again, a child hears anything. He's ready to take on board anything you give. If you don't give, he will reduce and shrink his little environment and just stick to what is around. If there is only English around, he will stick to these type of sounds and that's it. If he has a lot of other sounds, plus music, plus choir, plus, you know, then everything will be given. And then it's easier to speak another language, play an instrument, you know, everything is just there. Valérie, we're going to finish uh, this little chat, but, but I want to ask you something here about your, really about the link, because I'm an osteopath, as you know, and it's interesting for me because there are three stages in the, there's a polyvagal theory, it's a theory in which we try and understand how um, and which part of our autonomic nervous system we're more prone to be to be using in a certain context, right? And to make it very simple, it's like having a watchdog looking around and thinking and assessing every moment. Is this situation safe? Exactly. Is right or, or is it or is it dangerous? Yes. So we have those three options. And this is very different in terms of the, the actual articulation of the in this instance, the cranial nerve. So we know that to be in a socially engaged, which is it's called that the anterior branch of the cranial nerve 10, the vagus nerve, but also five, they call trigeminal, seven facial, nine glossopharyngeal, this is what I'm coming to this, the 10 vagus and 11 accessors. You need those five nerves to be functioning together to be able to have all of that, my mouth working well, my tongue, obviously all the muscles of my face that are totally part of the expression and the communication, but also that position here. So my neck, my shoulders, so all of these muscles have to work concomitantly with those nerves. But what's interesting, or I want to ask something to you here, is that I have quite a lot of patients, when they come in, I can hear in their voice that something is blocked. So there's a change in, in, in the pitch or in, you know, I can hear it. And off, so it could be number nine, glossopharyngeal, sometimes it's the diaphragm, sometimes, and they, it changes their voices. And this is interesting because, yeah, well, it changes it back to, to 
where they were before. We are not not working on their vocal cords. We're not. No, but necessarily it might unblock things. Which yeah, I can see it. I can hear. You know, at the end of the treatment, we do again. Oh, my voice is back. You know, we know that we've we've moved something. So I find it really quite incredible because that's pretty much instant. But we are in the realm of nerves, and the response is pretty much immediate. So, but that's something interesting for you. You know, when I think about it, because when I that would be something interesting for me to work with you. You know, in certain instances with certain clients to manipulate them, that would make total sense. But I, I give you an, an, a funny example. You can test the, I guess, the, the the integrity of that system by having someone opening their mouth in front of you and doing just that ah 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 ah, and you watch the way the palate and you know, the palate and muscle come together. And if I have an asymmetry, and that's literally, it takes whatever, five seconds, you can see if there's an asymmetry. And if there is one, you know that on whichever side it is, you're going to have a, some kind of pressure on the system, which would be the muscles, the bones, the nerves, whatever. You do your thing, you repeat, and if you find that symmetry is there, even if the pain has not gone, you say changes, change has happened, then the body will find its way out. But it's, it's quite fascinating because it's very... Well, it's it's you can it's very observable. It's very observable. It's straightforward in a way. Yeah, yeah, exactly tangible. Yes, 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 yes. That that makes total sense to me, though I'm not you know as savvy as you for these kind of detailed things. But I can see in the alignment of someone, you know, how the voice. We need symmetry for the voice to work. We absolutely need gravity, symmetry, alignment, because we just function with the whole body. The whole body is the instrument not just this the breath the muscles the, the the torso yeah from the feet you know we can gather tensions which are of course reper- you know there is a reper- repercussion on the on the larynx because it's floating little stuff you know so it's linked to so many other things if you accumulate tensions in the feet they go to the knees they go to the hips they go to the diaphragm they, you know and then they come and they accumulate here it's incredible so we always start from the feet, alignment, relaxing the feet, relaxing the knees, uh, dropping, you know, the center of gravity. If the center of gravity is too high, you don't descend your diaphragm, you don't breathe properly, then you don't breathe out properly, then you don't. Voice is audible breath. And it's so interesting to think. All the patterns of breathing that we might have during the day, stress, relaxation, will influence the voice because voice is audible breath. It is. It's just this. It's breath vibrated. Or is it audible emotions? Of course. Absolutely. Necessarily. Even though people mask it very, you know, uh, with a great, with great energy as much as they can, you know, but that's, that's the point of voice work is also to liberate the body so that the emotion can also come out through the voice and through the breath. Seek of, of our own truth, isn't it? I will finish about a, qu- a personal question about me because we started this journey in a series with Katie about a year ago now exactly and obviously I've used my voice a lot in my life but uh, I was teaching and stuff like this but I've never first looked at myself and listened to myself so much and I know there is this weird thing we all we don't like it there's something cringe about listening to ourselves you know back in the day I was on a on a answering machine or whatever but now i have to listen to or i don't have to but i just so happen to listen to me and i still 
don't like it. I don't like my voice. I don't think it's nice. I think I have a, an accent, you know, all of these things. So first of all, I need, I need to come and see you. I need to come and see you so you can liberate me and I can feel more confident, but also just can at least bear to listen to myself. We shouldn't listen to ourselves. Yeah. But it's interesting this because it's like, it is, it is, I realize having practiced podcasts, having practiced being in front of camera for a long time, we joke a lot with the, the production team and Katie every time because as soon as they say action, my voice changes and it's just not my voice. And I, I'm very aware of it because I'm sharing this with you now. I'm very aware at the moment and I'm like, it's so weird. Like, it's not, I put on this thing, some kind of, and I, it's really, it's a curious one. And I don't, I really, <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to work on trying to keep my normal voice in bracket, but actually something else comes out every time. That's so interesting. That's muscle memory. So meaning that your body changes necessarily something, the breath is necessarily changing. And then in turn, the voice, you know, everything, the, the whole setting is like, oh my God, performative, boom. And then, yes, and then the muscles are behaving differently. And then, of course, the voice is the result of that. So, But I find the only thing that helps me to do is only having this, because if you think to, to, to all of that, then it, it just doesn't work. You can't think about all these different things. But what I can do is I just slow down. And I'm just thinking two things. And slowing down helps me at some point, because otherwise I just... And then I feel this... And then my emotions go there, and then my ideas go, and then the whole thing just like clogs up. So I have that. Okay, chill. But it's 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 practice. It's practice. Breathing, yes, breathing, centered breathing helps tremendously to bring back calm. Thank you so much for today. Thank you for. I, I hope people, you know, will find through this and I a, a way to to find you or other voice coaches wherever they they are they live because I find I'm fascinated by finding we could call it finding your voice right so you can be as true to yourself really in a matter of connecting to your emotions and being able to express some of it through your voice and I think that is we we don't we we take it for granted and I think a lot an analogy I thought we, I was just preparing for this which is curious was just like a bit like running and I tell you why you learn every single sport, right? You, when you arrive on a tennis court, the guy doesn't just give you the racket, say, okay, now you play. No, he says, you take it exactly this way. This is like that, you know, whatever. But running, no one teaches you. You, you run as a kid because you run, and then eventually you run. And if you want to become a runner or a jogger, you just do it, right? No one is going to tell you, put your foot exactly like that and roll. Yet there's immense technique to running, right? You can have so many different strikes, so many different ways short, long running, depending on your body type, etc., etc. But it's very rare that people go there. And for me, the voice is the same thing. You're given it, it happens, it's nurtured or not, and then you're an adult and you have your thing and it's called your voice and you go with it. But at no point do you explore and say, is that actually my, my voice? You know, can I, as in, is this my running? You know, like, so I find that in, in this way, we should, we should all have an explorative session just to see what comes out of it because I can't see, can anything wrong yeah. come out of yeah, this? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, that's that's really so interesting. I think what we do as voice teachers is to remove the blocks to reach the transparent voice, which can really express who you are rather than just 
you know, a rich, beautiful voice, which could be a mask, rather thinking transparent voice, removing the blocks, because it's all about that, finally. We come with a lot of stuff, you know, generational, uh, you know, so from the society where, you know, coping mechanisms, conditioning, exactly. And then we have to just remove that and express ourselves in, in the most natural possible way. Let's, and I, we don't know if we, we are truthful, you know, we, we hope, we hope we are. I hope I am, you know, and my voice expresses that. I don't know, really, honestly, I don't know. Better not to think about it. <laughs> not too much. <laughs> Valérie, thank you so much. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did, because these are the conversations I love to have, and I feel so grateful to have platforms like this where I can just call a friend who's do I, that I really love and I can have a chat. So thank you so much for your time. If people want to reach out to you, they will find your details um, into the description of the podcast. And you can find those podcasts on Spotify, on Apple, iTunes, uh, obviously on unaseries.com platform. We have an app coming very soon. Um, if you like it, please share it. If you like it and something was triggered, be curious, go and look for more. And if you want to meet with Valérie, call her. She's amazing and you're going to love it. Thank you, Bonifat. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye, everyone. Take care.